0: You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. No TPP has been a popular slogan in chants and printed signs at the Democratic National Convention because of broad opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal. It is heavily favored by President Barack Obama, but it is also heavily opposed by primary loser Senator Bernie Sanders. Here to tell us more, Irene Fennell-Honigman, adjunct professor of international affairs at Columbia University, And she joins us now. Irene, thank you very much for being with us. Um, How is the Democratic Party going to reconcile the opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership in as much as President Obama is so heavily in favor of it?
2: Um, I think this is going to be uh, actually a major problem. Uh, Having been in the Clinton administrations in the 1990s, I feel like we were living the battles of NAFTA 23 years later with a lot of residual bitterness. Uh, Perhaps we never paid attention to what the actual impact was of NAFTA on particularly uh, small and rural uh, areas across America over these decades. The problem is that uh, Hillary Clinton, in many ways, is now caught in a bind, because she originally called it the gold standard, a secretary of state. She promoted it. It is very much part of what Obama would like to see as his legacy. Uh, However, because of the Sanders uh, campaign, and what to me is even very odd, is this is a time where both Democrats on the left and Republicans have uh, voiced very strong disapproval of this deal. So she now appears to be completely against it. Uh, However, the question is, how, in fact, will she be able to perhaps have to calibrate or recalibrate? The biggest problem she faces is she cannot appear to be fudging on this issue. Uh, as she could risk totally losing the Sanders supporters that she does, she definitely needs. Um, I think the, uh, problem to me is that this is a code word, and it almost seems like TPP is not really understood for what it is, a tremendously complex trade agreement, which in fact is supposed to promote exports and help particularly small and medium businesses, uh, but in fact has simply now been equated with losing American jobs. And this is sort of the cry on both the right and the left. Uh, not at all clear how she will proceed, but I certainly do not see this as a topic that's going to go away. We just saw it explode, and almost explode, uh, just two days ago when Terry McAuliffe suddenly stated that she may want to rethink her position, and he was immediately put down by campaign uh, chair mm-hmm. John Podesta. That will not be the case. So clearly, ongoing
3: problem. Well, Irene, you know, uh, economists, the consensus view, of course, is that trade is good for the economy, and I think that the, the, the more complicated question then is, yes, is it good for big corporations who who benefit, is it good for American workers who might lose their jobs because uh, some of these jobs go to other countries, and that's what Donald Trump has been exploiting. It also seems that since um, Barack Obama now is going to go on the road, apparently, for the next three months and try to help Hillary and other uh, Democrats running for office, yeah, this was something he pushed for on his watch. So it's very tough for Hillary now, I think, for uh, to, to ch- shift her position. and where does that lead Barack Obama? Won't there be a lot of questions on the trail about this?
2: Well, uh, I'm I am quite concerned about that. And the question is, uh, are they going to be able to deflect it uh, and simply to turn it around to more immediate uh, issues? And, uh, you know, in a way, will uh, Donald Trump continue giving them gifts of very strange, outrageous tweets Uh, that sort of distracts them? But at the end of the day, Yes, she is finally going to have to explain much more clearly why she is now specifically against it uh, and, in a way, try to square that uh, with the president's position. Uh, I'm not sure how she is going to manage uh, to do this. Uh, The other problem, of course, is that both labor unions and environmental groups uh, that are a core part of the uh, Democratic constituency have come out very strongly against it. Uh, So this is going to make the uh, the issue even even more complex.
0: As the co-author of International Banking for a New Century, what does a Glass-Steagall Act for the 21st century look like?
2: Um, I was, uh, you know, both, both uh, amused and a little bit stunned when uh, Senator Sanders uh, made that claim uh, that that should definitely be part of, of the platform. Uh, again, I think there is an oversimplification. And this was in part one of the problems that uh, Senator Sanders had when he came to New York during the primaries and spoke about breaking up big banks. Uh, it is very unclear whether you can go further than what is already now in place, which is the Volcker Rule, like in the U.K., the uh, Vickers Rule, uh, which clearly separates uh, basic banking from trading functions in, in the most basic terms. Uh Is it now possible to actually bring American banks back to the type of structure and methodology they had in the 1990s? I don't think so. Uh, I think there's too much interconnectivity between uh, U.S. banks and foreign banks. Uh, Would this put U.S. banks uh, in a position of losing competitiveness? Uh, Where does this put foreign banks with major presence uh, in the
3: U.S.? going to have to leave it there. Irene Finel Honigman, thank you so very much for joining us from Columbia University. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit returns to London
2: on April 25th for a solution-driven look at the sustainable business and finance landscape, looking at the latest trends in ESG regulations, supply chain innovation, and transition finance. Speakers include leaders from CDP, Emirates Environment Group, TNFD, C-Trace, COA and more. Summit advisors include City and Schneider Electric. Visit BloombergLive.com slash SBS 2024 to learn more.